From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MVW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in, but why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome into this Thursday edition of the Oxford Exxon Podcast. Chase Parm, Noah McCready, Clark Ford Studio. Jeffrey Wright joining us as well to uh, begin the program. A program brought to you every single day by the Oxford Exxon Highway 6 West in Oxford. Oxford, pull. Daiquiri's lunch specials, ribs this morning and uh, all day long. Ribs, wet or dry, call ahead to be ready to go or just show up and they'll wrap them up and get them to you. Also, great gas prices courtesy of the Speed Pass Plus app, the Mobile Rewards Program, and more. And again, coming to you from the Clark Ford. Ford studio. We are Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900. Call it. Ask for uh, my friend Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. Um, that's all you got to do. Make the call. Get a quote. You can shop it around or you can do what I've done. Hop into a Clark Ford. You love the product. You love the service after the sale. Corey wants to be a truck car guy. He wants to be a truck guy. He'll prove it to you when you make the call. 662-257-1900. Guest will uh, join us, including uh, one Mr. Jeffrey Wright in a moment, on the Rafters Music and Food Hotline. Be a great place to hang out this weekend, whether you're watching uh, college baseball, you're watching college basketball, Ole Miss and Mississippi State in Starkville at 5.30 on Saturday. It'll be on all the screens. Uh, great food, uh, great drink specials as well. And then on Sunday, of course, it's uh, Bluegrass Brunch at 5, I'm sorry, at 10.45, 10.45 a.m., uh, Bluegrass Brunch brunch uh chicken and waffles more mimosas bloody marys everything you could want they'll have it there make it part of your weekend at rafters music and food on the square in oxford jeffrey how are you i am well i'm now just thinking about rafters chicken and sausage gumbo which is also just delightful you're a big gumbo at brunch person i'm actually in general not like the world's biggest gumbo guy but i enjoy theirs a lot really yes theirs is very tasty more chicken and sausage and seafood for you typically yeah that's yeah i'm not the world's biggest fan of okay microwave like frozen shrimp that's exactly it if i'm in new orleans or mobile or something where i know that the seafood is fresh i'm all in but if i'm in a landlocked area like oxford you're gonna have to convince me that that didn't come out of a frozen bag Yes, I think that's that's a fair point because like when I think about the seafood gumbos that I like, it's all usually, it's all, you know, somewhere down in the Gulf where you know like the, everything in there is everything in there is fresh. What is kind of the rule around here? Like how how much seafood is fresh in Oxford from a restaurant standpoint? I don't even know. I mean, I know some places where I'm sure of it, but on, on, on the other ones, I don't know. I, I don't know where I thought about it. If you don't know, you think it's a no? Then you do know. You think so? Yes. My general rule is how often do I see a FedEx truck in front of their establishment? Because uh, if it's often, then I know that they could be overnighting it in. If not, uh, then so it's I like just... FedEx versus Cisco ratio. Yeah, that's that's a fair that's a fair way. U.S. Foods. Yeah, if I see if I see if it's a solid one to one ratio, then I feel good. Okay, that's gets back into the conversation we've had before. I mean, you know that. They, they have to use food services. Restaurants do. But yeah. you, you generally know what you're getting. 
I mean, you know, if you, if you go to Chili's, you know what you're getting at Chili's. I'm cool with that. The, the only thing I'm not cool with is when people try to advertise themselves as this authentic deal, and then you find out that not I just a bunch of frozen ravioli from the Costco. Yeah, like when Corona tried to position itself as a premium beer, and then the joke was on us. And now they're trying to blame the coronavirus because people have started to figure it out. You scared of the virus? Define scared. Neil is actually kind of worked up compared to most other ones that have come through over the last decade or so. Not really worked up, aware of it. I'm starting to think that because of the culture that we live in today, that we are going to see... I'm really starting to think there's a chance that we see massive shutdowns of things that that are going to surprise us. Schools closing, stadiums not being open to public. I think that's where this thing seems to be headed. So you're changing your mind because I asked you yesterday or day before, yep. in six weeks, do I think there will be spectatorless sporting events in the United States? Now you're thinking yes. I watched Los Angeles, which is, has, what, five million people? Sure. They have nine cases? Sure. And the city is a state of emergency? More, pe- more is, people I, get murdered on the south side in a night than that, right? I mean, I mean what, are we, what are we talking about? It just murdered in LA in a night I mean I guess I guess my question is do you th- this is where it it falls for me is is the panic caused by the fact that we don't really have a great understanding of what this is and like because to me it seems like the best explanation is it's the mega flu okay but then at first, you know, okay, well, this is only, you know, it's only really killing people with, uh, you know, that are that are frail and elderly that have weak immune systems, lungs or, compromised. You know, correct. And then, then it seems like we have cases where, like, no, this person was just like perfectly fine and couldn't beat it. And I, I I'm curious, do you think that the the shutdowns are the result of people don't know? don't know a like the strength of it B like we obviously know it's contagious but we don't know like how like i i wonder if it's the unknown that is making that it's causing so much panic or is this the classic example of this is like the ultimate 2020 thing in that this is clearly an issue but it's not nearly the issue that the outrage and uproar and news coverage is giving it and therefore we're overreacting because I'm not I'm not I'm not pushing one way or the other. I this is something that I've that I've weighed. Yeah, I don't know. It's you know, Caroline left the, this morning. She's flying to Orlando and you know, she was getting the speech about use hand sanitizer and she said, you know that doesn't work against the coronavirus, right? I mean, it it doesn't kill it. And she's like, I don't want to be carrying wipes around everywhere I go. I don't know. Well, like the same thing when when people are like, okay, well, you know, the NBA players that uh, fist bump instead of giving high fives. I'm sitting there going, I know Howie Mandel's a germaphobe and he does the fist bump thing, but it seems to me like skin to skin contact is the same. Like he, he, to me, it's like 
I don't understand how it fist bumps that much better than than the high five. Like it, there's that, sweat. I don't know. There's that, sweat that was mostly literally what, flying through the air. That was mostly what Ole Miss did with Southern a few weeks ago when half of Southern's teams had the flu. I would have just skipped the handshake line entirely and said, "Hey, we appreciate yeah, you. Get like, on the bus." Do the Greg Popovich where you don't even go and shake hands. You just turn. You turn to the other dugout, wave, tip your cap, and then go to your dugout and clubhouse. <laughs> Yeah, there was no reason to do that line that day. I was a little shocked by that. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm, I am all for some of the like, Damian Lillard or I'm sorry, CJ McCollum said he's not going to sign autographs anymore. Saw that he's in the Pacific Northwest. Like I do. Does anyone think that's an unreasonable thing to do? Like I am totally fine with no. with taking reasonable precautions. I just. The bigger thing is so here's the bigger here's the bigger question, right? So let's let's take let's take the Portland Trailblazers as an example since that's who CJ McCollum plays for. If you're CJ McCollum, are you at more risk being in an arena with 21,000 people or are you at more risk holding pins and signing shirts See, and shoes and such? I, like that's what I asked. Like in the end, like this can this can travel through air particles based on my understanding of of viruses and infection like they say the best the, the worst way to the, the easiest way to get it is it lands on surfaces it can live on a surface for two to three weeks you your hands touch that surface or your phone touches that surface your hands touch your phone your hands go to your mouth your nose your eyes and boom you've been exposed to it yeah it's it's honestly like one of the one of the tips that i saw that i thought made the most sense was hey you need to regularly clean the surface of your cell phone yeah, like oh, I did mine today. That makes sense because a, that's a flat surface. B, I'm on it all the time, touching it all. Like I, to me, if if coronavirus can attach itself to cell phones, I am doomed. Well, they're saying that forty to seventy percent of the population of the of the globe is going to quote get the coronavirus, but not everybody will be symptomatic. Not everybody will be impacted by it. Some people's immune systems will just filter it through. Some people, there are some stereotypes that are there for a reason. Uh, everybody has kind of freaked out or been more aware of it. And then basically yesterday, Augusta National just said, hey, we're going to play the tournament. That's what's going to happen. No, no, no big deal. Uh, they put like all these links on their website to how to find everything. And then their quote was simply, we're proceeding as scheduled for everything. Well, in fairness, Augusta National might have like body scanners that <laughs> that you'll walk through that they'll like, make you think are somehow like somehow that they're like a metal detector but in reality they're body scanners and then once they find out that you you know you go through you have coronavirus they just have a sniper up there to take you out like okay problem solved moving on <laughs> and it's easy to say that today three weeks from now they might be singing a different tune who knows i mean I, that's that's the whole thing well, is i guess the part, like, in la's the per the reason why we, the fact that you bring up la is a perfect example of what i'm saying with i can't what i can't figure out is what is like i don't feel like we have an objective understanding of what the threat level is and the fact that la is the first you know you know la's having this massive shutdowns like that's perfect because that's what la would do like la just panics and you know they overreact to every social media and it's like but at the same time it's la and it, it is you have tons and tons of people you have tourism you have people flying in and out and so I completely do understand if this is a legitimate threat wanting to take precaution. But do you see where, 
Do you see why I'm struggling with this in terms of sure? Okay, what is the like determining what is the actual threat? It's like yeah, I'm yeah, I'm going to Nashville next week, going into an arena where we, well, the night that I'll be there, there might be five thousand people in it, but still, I mean, are you are, is that unwise? I mean, are you know what I mean? It's just it's, I don't know. That's the the people who are panicked. I, I'm like I don't I don't get it, and then the people who act like oh this is absolutely nothing. Eh, the World Health Organization says differently, so it's it's like everything else, I guess. It's somewhere in the middle, and we'll just see what happens. Yeah, I'm. I I I have no idea. I will say, what's going to be around does, longer the 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 coronavirus or Penny Hardaway as Memphis's coach? I'm gonna say Penny because I do think as. It does seem like they're they're close. Like we are putting our like this is the good thing about when you have like a worldwide pandemic, is that you are assembling the best minds in medicine and research, and it does feel you know I mean like this yeah. has obviously been moved to the front of the caseload. So I believe in smart people. So I think they're going to at least figure something out. The problem with Penny Hardaway is this is uncharted territory in terms of how this will be, how this will be decided. You know, I'm, I, my, my experience and almost every other experience dealing with an NCAA case is before, you know, it's the process of the committee of infractions, which in which we, God knows, we know that that process can drag on and drag on and drag on. There's no real timeline for this. The best the best that I can understand from from conversations is when it actually gets to the presenting of the you know the essentially the the courtroom moment that Neil covered over in Covington mm-hmm. essentially like what happens is both sides say okay well here's a timeline that we think uh, is acceptable and then this panel decides what the timeline actually is and then it's from there so I don't, I don't know how how this is going to play out. I do. Also, I think another. Well, I'm, let me, I'm sorry. <laughs> I do not know when this will play out. Fair Excuse enough. me. I yeah, should, yeah. I, 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 I misspoke there. I I'll have, tell you what. Uh, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, okay. To me, there's two things that I that I found interesting in conversations and research on this whole process. Uh, get ready, y'all. Uh, hiring outside counsel, you can use them as strategy and whatnot. They will not be in that room with you. There's no doubt, and I think we talked about it in November when they did it, there is no doubt that the way that they double-fingered the NCAA that night when I think they were playing like Illinois State or Chicago Wesleyan or somebody – the, the jerseys or the shirts or whatever? Well, not even that. But the no, the night that they said, you know what, Wiseman is going to go get it. was Illinois, Chicago. Don't quote me on that. Yeah, he's going to go get an injunction and he's going to play, damn it. That was so stupid. It, it's one thing to... Okay, see if you agree with me on this. See if you agree with me on this. Does this make me a hypocrite? In real time, when they did this injunction thing and, and I was the first person that said... Are you out of your mind? Like people used to do this all the time in the 70s and the 80s, and then their programs got hammered 
more so because of this. There's a reason why like this. They didn't reinvent the wheel of getting the injunction and saying, well, the court said he, you know, we had to play him, so we played him. Like That doesn't hold up. With that being, with that being said, once you made the decision to play him, I think one of the dumbest things they did was uh, deciding, okay, well, they, basically like what they did is like they had like the adrenaline rush and they, they kind of had like the mob mentality. Everyone's like cheering them. And then they had a the sobering moment like the next day, like, oh, oh, uh, our bad. Like, can, can we just like do a do over and, yeah. you know, everything's cool? I just think once you made the decision to play the ineligible player, like, your fate's sealed. Just go ahead and keep playing it. That was the part I didn't understand. Why not? You did it. It was everybody there had gotten so excited about. Penny Hardaway, as you well know, Penny Hardaway and Memphis basketball and, and, and the momentum and all the recruiting and, and I don't want to get you in trouble. So it's me talking, not you. Some of the people at your station interviewing everybody related to every one of these recruits. And I know it drove ratings and I knew it. But the thing was, is that it created this fervor that when there was this moment of sobriety, when the NCAA said, hey, he's not eligible until we get this thing cleared up. We recommend that you not play him. Instead of them saying, hey, you know what? We're, we're going to win this game anyway. Let's take a step back. Let's get this thing cleared up. We thought we had it cleared up. They have new information. Let's follow this thing through. It's going to be frustrating, and the fans are going to get upset. And they're going to yell and scream, but this is the prudent thing to do. Instead, from the top levels down, and this is why I think they're going to get hammered, I think if you could blame this on some assistant coach or even some assistant compliance person, I think they'd have a chance to say, hey, you know, we kind of screwed up. We're sorry. The fact that that, that this was the president, the AD, the head coach. You and I talked about this yesterday a little bit. Penny Hardaway really kind of pulled a Hugh Freeze in a lot of ways. He he said oh, yeah. he said, Hey, this is this is a new day. We're gonna we're gonna go elephant hunting. Um, I'm not getting the words right, but it doesn't matter. You all understand my point. And then when the NC when when there was pushback with Freeze, there was pushback from other programs. With Penny, there was pushback from other programs. Freeze said, "Hey, if you got something to say, send it to compliance." Penny said, "I want all the smoke." It's all the exact same thing. It's literally the same playbook, and it is precisely the way not to handle it. And and as with freeze, and as with freeze, they no. Did they find everything they were looking for? Nope. Against Ole Miss, nope. They didn't find everything they thought they had. They they, I think they thought they'd have this treasure trove, but they got enough. Found a booster. Found a stepfather. Found whatever. Found a paper trail. And with Penny, they've got. Look, does the NCAA believe that all he gave them was twelve thousand five hundred dollars? Nope. Nope. The NCAA thinks that Penny bought the house. The NCAA thinks that Penny's been paying the family. The NCAA thinks Penny's been paying all these recruits. Can they prove all of that? Probably not. Do they have enough to absolutely drop a sledgehammer on them? Yep, and they're going to. Yeah, and I would also add the other thing, in my opinion, that is similar with Freeze is that because when Freeze, when Freeze got there and – you know, he did a great job in 2012 getting that team, you know, to seven wins. And, and you know, they stayed healthy, but, you know, they played hard and, 
they they won more than they were expected to win and then you get with the you know the recruiting hoopla and everything and so the adults in the room lost all leverage and they got caught up in the god we're making money like the, you know we're selling tickets donations are up like they get you get caught up in that and in the end Penny Hardaway, in my opinion, is not the first coach that wants his best player to play. He didn't have the experience like Freeze to understand, all right, yeah, this this is I think this is BS, but you know what? This is the system, so we gotta play by the rules. Let's try to get this done and over with as quickly as possible and get back and get him on the floor. Instead, it was defiance and how dare you and uh, I'm sticking up for the little man. Like you're just coming after us because we're we're Memphis or we're Ole Miss, and it was a rallying cry. But part of the reason why the big boys don't get caught is it's not the systematic protection by the NCAA. It is the big boys know how when when these things develop. A they don't leave paper trails. That's a that's a big one. And then B, when these types of issues arise, they know how to deal with them, and it's not defiance, and it's not F you, uh, come get me. Rebel fans, renew your football season tickets by March 31st to secure your seats in the vault. This season, tickets start at just $199, can be purchased by visiting fb.olemistix.com. Fresh off a tournament win and a midweek win. Uh, Little Miss baseball team back at Swayze this weekend as they host Princeton. General admission tickets are available by visiting OleMissTicks.com. Uh, the Ole Miss softball team kicks off a full week of games at the Ole Miss softball complex. This week it includes a uh, weekend series uh, beginning on Friday against Central Florida. Admission is free. For more information, visit OleMissSports.com. And uh, join the Ole Miss women's tennis team at home this weekend as they host Georgia at 3 p.m. on Friday. And again on Sunday as they host Tennessee at 1. Admission is free. For more information, you can visit OleMissSports.com. Our friends at Blue Delta Jeans are excited to announce that beginning this week, pre-orders are uh, being taken for the return of Duck Canvas. Long-time Blue Delta Jeans clients will remember this durable, long-lasting fabric. It's back in stock a popular demand in uh, navy, canyon brown, green, and gray. Ten and a half ounces. This Georgia milled fabric will provide you with the ultimate American-made pant that is nearly unbreakable. For more information or to place your order today, BlueDeltaJeans.com or reach out to Blue Delta Jeans on social media at Blue Delta Jeans. Podcast is brought to you by In-House Interior and Design. They are on Main Street in Tupelo, also inside Sugar Magnolia in Oxford. Booth 34 for that to see all their different dorm room options, CAS, stage dorm room, to give you some different ideas if you would like to uh, schedule a dorm room design appointment. 20% off to uh, that if you want to take a part of it, you can give them a call at 662-681-6241. They handle every aspect of the design for you with a home from paint, wallpaper, lights, fixtures, flooring, rugs, furniture, and much more with over 30 years combined experience. So, again, give them a shout. 662-681-6241. I couldn't agree more. I'm kind of curious here. I'm just kind of switching off this for a second because I'm reading the message board and Twitter and whatnot. 
we haven't really talked about this. Well, healthy place. A healthy community of conversation. Yeah, healthy everywhere. I'm just you know, I'm trying to get a lot of knowledge this morning. This Tuberville Sessions runoff has a chance from a Senate standpoint uh-huh. to be one of the more fun things that we've dealt with a little bit because you got Trump going after Sessions. Doesn't necessarily endorse Tuberville, but does everything but by negating the opponent. They're both trying to see how conservative they can get in this state. It's become a little bit of an Alabama-Auburn thing with some guys. I mean, there, there's a lot here from a Senate primary runoff deal uh it's, it's look the winner's gonna win they're gonna beat the, the incumbent in, in in november but this is hilarious as this thing's going 33 31 tuberville in the uh the, the the first round oh um yeah they had another guy too with a lot of yeah, points. No, no, like no, sessions lost yeah yeah, yeah. He, he did uh tuberville obviously didn't get a majority but and that's why it's at a runoff but i mean tuberville beat him in terms of percentage wise yeah, he and did. And then Trump went after Sessions again yesterday, That's right? What I'm saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. So this well, is this t- is good. God, let, um, let's let's take a moment. Speaking of people that do understand how to game the system, do you really think Tuberville in his in when Tuberville's deeply, uh, you know, he's deep in thought at night? Do you think that he's just going over the Trump agenda and checking <laughs> off? I agree with that. I agree with that. <laughs> or do you think this is a man that goes hmm? I'm running for the Republican nomination in to Alabama, be a senator. and which Trump means you're running for out. the office because because the 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 election itself right. is a formality, right? And Trump is attacking my number one opponent. Hmm. I think I know what I'm going to do. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to cozy up Trump. <laughs> yeah. Yesterday, um, here it is. Trump says, "Let's see." Forget uh, the X's and O's about Felix. Yeah, this is what happens to someone who loyally gets appointed Attorney General of the United States, then doesn't have the wisdom or the courage to stare down and end the phony Russia witch hunt, Trump wrote on Twitter, sharing a link to Politico's story about the runoff Sessions will face, recuses himself on first day in office, uh, and the Mueller scam begins, Trump yesterday, toward, uh, toward Sessions. President sounds somewhat angry. He's had a few tweets the last few days that, God, like, I just... It's one of those ones where I laugh out loud, and then I realize, like, oh my god, this is the president of the United States. Yeah, like, yeah. like it, it's it, it it like it it is hilarious, but at the same time, it's like this is our this is our representative to the world. <laughs> Doug Jones, the the current senator of Alabama, that's going to lose his spot in November. Yes, I mean he is the he is this this is the weakest like possible incumbent to try to hold on to a to to a seat that I, I can imagine. Cindy Hotsmith says hello. I mean, are are you guaranteeing she's losing? Surely. Uh, are they going to run her again? They can't run her. Okay, right? this is okay. For instance, I want to. But she's at least a Republican. The Democrat in Alabama is losing this. I I, I, yeah, I understand that. And I, I just it's right. It's but hard for me. Smith gets the nomination. She's going to win. It's the same thing we talked about the governor's Ooh. race. I told y'all, like, I'll believe it when I see it. When the Democrat beats the Republican. I know. I mean, Jones got in office because he beat Roy Moore in the middle of all that stuff. And it wasn't. It was still close. Was it? I don't know. Yeah. Remember when Roy Moore was like whipping out the Old Testament and yeah, fifty percent like, to forty eight point three percent. 
I may be mixing up my analogy that he used, but I think he went, he's like, well, uh, Abraham, no, I think I used Joseph. I think he used Joseph, the, you know, the, the worldly father of Jesus. Well, he was in his mid thirties and she was 14. It's like, yeah, no, this is who told you this was a good idea. Oh, I don't even recall that. Yeah, it, it, it was, it was not good. All right, here's what I want to discuss with y'all. Yep, sure. Biden is, uh, wow, he's Biden. I think the idea of Joe Biden is way better than the reality of Joe Biden as a candidate, if you will. I'm not even discussing politics. I'm just saying as a candidate running for office. I do, I think the people that are crushing the Democrats for what they're clearly doing, I actually think, I think it's somewhat disingenuous because I do at least give them credit. I think a couple weeks ago we were discussing how the party never really has the ability anymore to kind of step in and and say, okay, well, this is the candidate because they're trying to get someone electable up there. And like we, we, the way that like you can build your own brand and whatnot, like the party is not necessarily as strong as it once was. I do kind of give them credit for going, okay, if Bernie Sanders runs, we cannot win. And yes, Joe Biden is not our best candidate, but he is the best chance to beat Trump in a general election. We've got to organize and get this done. Otherwise, you wind up, you know, you're going to have comrade bernie running against trump and good luck with that and to me like this is what the republicans didn't do or like enough like early enough in the process because basically everyone knew that all the republicans knew they were running against hillary and i think anyone that studies politics knows she's not a great candidate she doesn't win elections very very easily and so no one was backing down I do kind of give the Democrats credit for understanding the reality of the situation and not letting Sanders end up being your nominee or try, you know, doing your best to make sure he doesn't wind up as your nominee. Well, no, that's what I told Neil yesterday. It's a school board business. How do we, what, what, what is our best chance to win the general election? Period. That is it. Right. Bottom line. I mean, that's, that's, that's all that matters. And that's what's happened to Bernie two, two elections in a row, 16 with Hillary. And then now uh, this as well. So no. No doubt. Uh, any college basketball thoughts before we let you go? College basketball thoughts. Um, <laughs> college baseball, uh, college football, to, NFL, hockey, soccer. Take your pick. Uh, congrats to uh, Brian Tyree. Okay. You know? Yeah, for sure. We'll talk about it. We're, we're going to talk about it in a little bit. I thought it was fitting last night that uh, yeah. his team sputtered and he had to put it on its. He had to put that team on his yeah. shoulders and carry them to a win in his last game at at the Pavilion. I, I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was appropriate. He's had as someone who's covered the, his entire career. The guy's had one hell of a career. I think he finished. He's right now fifth in the in the school yeah, history in, in, in scoring. Just. Uh, I like Brian. He gets he gets a I'll knock never, from some people for being selfish and stuff like that. I, I've never really seen that. I mean, he's 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 thoughtful. I think he's a pretty intelligent guy. I think he cares. 
and uh, he plays hard. And you know the the part where he thinks about his future and how he can best prepare himself to have a run at the next level. I don't really consider that selfish. I just consider that being smart. Uh, I only covered his freshman year, but I, I feel the the same way. I always thought that he was, you know, that that was a good guy to cover. And then I, I've never felt like he's selfish. I feel like he wants to win. And I think he's looking around at his team and realizing uh, if I don't score, we don't win. And I don't, I don't necessarily view that as, you know, a me first guy. No, I mean, come on. I mean, he's one of those guys that already, and the majority of people has, and is going to already has a incredible legacy. It's only going to go up um, as he kind of moves on and, and, and time does what time does with a lot of that stuff. No, he's, Everybody took the tired thing and ran with it a little bit that wanted to be kind of negative toward Bria. But, I mean, I, I can't imagine this team right now without Bria and Tyree. I'd be tired, too, if I were Bria and Tyree. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. He, uh, played, he, he played 39 minutes last night. Every minute is stressful. Yeah, that was the part that people just don't get is it's, it's, uh, it's kind of like pitching. When yeah. you pitch in a game and your team's up 10 to 1, it's not, you know, every pitch isn't high leverage. When you pitch in a game and it's yeah, it's three to two and your team's up one in the eighth inning and they got runners on second and third when you come in from pitch one, it is stress. Uh and then my college baseball thought, Chase, I I do not really have one. I've watched the team kind of play <laughs> Blair's watched it. So I'll give you Blair's thoughts. Sure. Uh Blair thinks they're Blair thinks they're good. Blair for those that don't that are new to the program, Blair's my brother and a uh, Blair Blair was on the team for four years. Blair thinks they're very good. His his concern his concern is and he he actually had a good way of explaining it. He doesn't know if they have enough pitching. He does think the three starters are are going to be relatively like the above average mm-hmm. starters. Sure. You know, like even in the SEC, he thinks those are three quality starters. He's concerned about the bullpen, but this was an unbelievable line because. Sometimes the worst thing to do is give Coach B a lot of arms because <laughs> he's only going to throw 10 of them. And so then you wind up getting, you know, some like good guys get squeezed out. He goes, it actually might be better that they don't have that many arms because everyone just has a clearly defined role and you're not worried about someone getting overlooked. It is an interesting deal because, yeah, my first thought in my gut is, yeah, the bullpen's an arm short, but I think some of it's that the guys who played well are not necessarily the guys who I was thinking would play well when the season started. So I haven't made that transition in my mind yet, if that makes sense. Because, like, Tyler Myers is hurt. Greer Holston is just struggling. There's some names that have popped where I was not expecting them. So I'm going, yeah, they're an arm short, but you look at the numbers, and I think team their team bullpen ERA is under three. It's it's fine. It's all right. It's all good. So now, if you want the uh, if you want the traditional Ole Miss uh, view, mm-hmm. uh, Aaliyah loves her baseball team too, and um, Aaliyah is convinced that this is a team that's going to go like 17 and one or whatever you know whatever their non-con re- record is like yeah. only lose the one game and then she thinks they'll be you know. Uh, 14 and 16 in the SEC. So that, there's okay. a good rebel for you. Uh, last thing, 90 seconds here. John Talty just tweeting this out um, this morning. Scott Cochran told people outside forces intervened to stop him from getting the Ole Miss job. Others said Kiffin simply went a different direction. The experience created a riff between Cochran and Saban and led to Cochran pursuing multiple positions. Oh, I bet I know this. Do you? Yep. Okay. I have a guess. 
Yeah. I don't think outside forces is outside. I don't think it's plural. Ain't that far outside. A, 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 a force. And it's a force. A force. And I and completely I don't buy it. And I don't think it was Slick Nick. No, 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 no. No, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you this now. I, I, I kind of wrote this on Twitter, I think. I, hell, I don't know. I might have just told somebody. I've, I've got to I do a lot less tweeting as I get older because it's just not worth it. Good for you. Nick Saban and Scott Cochran, that relationship had run its course. Uh, Scott mm-hmm. Cochran had, on a couple of occasions over the last few seasons, come to Alabama for more money, and Alabama had ponied up. The consensus feeling from talking to people who absolutely knew what they were talking about was that if Cochran came back to Alabama one more time and said, I want more, they were going to say, see ya, have at it. There was a sense inside that program that it was time for a change in that department anyway, that his personality had run its course, that Saban was prepared and, and maybe even eager to move on. It's my opinion that Kiffin absolutely intended to hire Cochran. Felt like he was probably going to get Cochran, and then something happened. It was Talty that tweeted that? Yeah. I would agree with Talty uh, that there was outside forces. I just might not include the S. But John might very well know more than, than I know about it. He's, he's good at what he does. Have a good day, Jeff. All right, guys. Was Jeffrey Wright on the Rafters Music and uh, Food Hotline? Got about four or five minutes for uh, for another break. Speaking of uh, Lane, Neil, you want to offer up anything? If you say no, we'll move on. I mean, we had a thing yesterday. It was not supposed to get public. That was you saw the email. I did. You weren't at the thing, but I was at the thing. You got this email about the thing. I did. I'm not going to get into all the other stuff. I'll I'll do the schedule stuff because I think that's the part that was actually told to us before the thing. They're they're going to start spring practice March the 17th, which is a Tuesday. They'll uh, they'll practice on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays. The practices are open to the media starting with the second Saturday, which I don't have a calendar in front of me. I think that's March the 28th, uh, give or take a day. The first Saturday is closed to the public. Starting with the second Saturday, those practices will be open to the public inside Vault Hemingway. Mm-hmm. So that's Saturday the 28th, and then two April Saturdays, and then the, the Grove Bowl, I think, is the 18th. Is that right? That is correct, yes. I don't have a calendar in front of me. People forgive me. Uh, and then, uh, the, 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 you know, that's not particularly noteworthy. The whole open to the media thing, people are going crazy about that. We can have this conversation a little bit. I, I, I'm, I, I've, you and I have talked about this before. I typed this this morning. Oh, I'm using the headset anymore. I don't need it. Um, I'm far more interested in access to people than I am access to practice. Now, I'm 50 years old. I've been covering college football essentially as a beat writer since I was about 24. Mm -hmm. If you show me one practice, I've seen every practice. Unless it's an NFL practice, which is a different practice. I will be interested to see what his practices look like in the fall. Because I'm told they're fast, they're to the point, 
They're quick. Um, the one interesting thing was in the fall, they are, if they can get it done, they couldn't get it done for spring, obviously, because schedules had already been done. Mm-hmm. They are going to practice in the mornings. I think pretty early in the morning. It's his philosophy that that's just a better way to start the day. Um, kids go to class because they're already up and they're off their feet more later in the day. As the week goes on, when you start to try to get fresh for Saturday, they practice Wednesday morning and then they're kind of off their feet really until Friday when they have a short full speed practice. So instead of practicing Wednesday afternoon late and then having a walk, having a practice Thursday night, and then a walkthrough on Friday, his philosophy is practice Wednesday morning, have just a little walkthrough on Thursday morning, have a quick little practice on Friday morning, and then you're off your feet until the game on Saturday. A little fresher. That's the stuff I feel comfortable talking about from the little thing that we weren't supposed to talk about yesterday. The morning practices uh, could adjust podcast schedule. We'll figure that out as this time goes. Might have to play around with it a little bit. Might have to alter it a couple times. We'll 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 figure that out. Obviously, eight a.m. may not be possible every day. So we'll, yeah, we'll and, let you know. And we talked about that. And here's the other thing. I mean, all those practices aren't going to be open to the to the media. And even if they are, I'm not going to go cover a Thursday morning walkthrough. There's nothing to cover. Uh, season ticket numbers up 78% year-to-date right now, by the way. I think what it shows you is that he is aware of just how lethargic the program had gotten. Mm-hmm. He is aware of just how, uh, I don't know if despondent is the word or just apathetic maybe the fan base had gotten, and he's going to try to get it back. I don't know what you can do to make football practice is fun to watch they're they're difficult to watch and he's got a thin team so i don't know just how i I think the people who are expecting a spring of just head knocking physicality are going to be in for a disappointment i I don't think that's prudent i don't particularly think that's his style and i don't think that's what you'll see it's fair we will uh, talk some basketball in one second. Before we do that, I'll tell you about Community Mortgage, Oxford, Memphis, Soto County, and Chattanooga. Underwriting and processing is done in Memphis. You're going to look underwriting and understand your market. A leader in condo financing, the float down option, and with the rates <clears throat> as low as they've been in a really long time, good time to give Jason a call. Also, if you've uh, refinanced or purchased even in the last year, probably can help you out a little more there as well. 662-234-2704 or J-L-O-W-E at communitymtg.com. We're also brought to you by Bluff City Advisory Group. They're dedicated to building the future you desire. Founded in Memphis in 2019, their team is comprised of established and seasoned financial experts who came together to serve individuals and families of their beloved hometown. The firm is built on decades of wealth management experience, and they've seen it all. The financial advisors have a reputation for professional excellence, and their clients rely on their high level of confidence and integrity. Whether you need guidance on developing a financial plan, creating a customized executive benefits program for your business, or preparing a detailed asset allocation analysis, Bluff City Advisory will provide forward-thinking and cost-effective investment strategies customized to uniquely fit each client. 901-365-3447. 
or email Ben, that's B-E-N, at bluffcityadvisory.com. We're also brought to you by Oxford University Bank. OUB is uh, locally owned and operated right here in Oxford. When you deposit that money at uh, OUB, that money and the vast majority of the bank's profits go right back into the Oxford community. OUB offers its customers the absolute best cash checking account. It's called Casasa, and with Casasa, OUB will pay customers 2.5% interest on their balances up to $50,000 and refund ATM fees nationwide. They also have a commercial checking account now paying 1% interest as long as you keep 10000 in the account. comes with fully interactive online banking. To learn more about OUB, uh, call Livox, call 662-234-6668 or check out liveoxfordbankoxford.com. Podcast also brought to you by Visit Oxford. Visit oxfordms.com slash events to uh, find out what's going on locally in town every single week. You got Magic in the Middle Ages going on through March 20th. Several different options this week as well, including uh, the Double Decker Bus Tours start back March 6th. That is tomorrow, 4 to 5 o'clock. And remember, if you do those, take your... uh, Take your receipt and you can take it over to Blue Delta. Get $100 off with a pair of Blue Delta jeans by doing that as well. You can find out where to uh, where to eat, where to stay, and more. Stop by their location there on the square on Jackson Avenue and get uh, welcome bags and find out some things maybe you're not aware of. Visit OxfordMS.com slash events. So basketball last night, as we uh, as we said, Ole Miss 75, Missouri 67, the Rebels 15 and 15, 6 and 11 in the SEC, Missouri now 6 and 11 as well, 14 and 16, the Rebels up 9 at the break, had a 15 point lead maybe there at one point, if I have that correctly. Something like that. Something like that. Uh, Missouri did make a run, made a pretty good run. Brian Tyree, as you alluded to, had a uh, had a nice run himself to uh, to carry Ole Miss to the win. Tyree plays 39 minutes last night, scores 19 points. Blake Henson also with 19, and then Buffin and C with 13 and 12, respectively, for uh, for the Rebels. Yeah, like I said, I thought I thought the story of the night was was Brian, especially in the second half. I mean, you know, he had to carry them. Blake Henson carried him in the first half, had 19 points, didn't score in the second half, got in foul trouble because the SEC officials or whoever, whatever official, whatever title you want to put on them, all they do is call fouls. Game included 56 free throws. Ole Miss shot 33. Missouri shot 23. 56 Well, that's less than Alabama shooting 47 last week. Yeah, it's true. So they're improving. Uh, total personal fouls. Ole Miss had 21. Uh, Missouri had 23. So there was more than a foul a minute. Please, for the love of God, people, when you do the thing in the in the deal about about the the NBA, watch Ole Miss Missouri, then watch Mavericks Pelicans, and tell me which product is better. One is officiated so much better beyond the talent. It's officiated better. The Ole Miss game really devolved in the second half because on both teams they started calling touch fouls 40 feet from the rim. It ruined the flow of the game. I don't understand why anyone would make an emphasis on calling that. You know, they went to they went to calling a lot more hand checks like five, six, seven years ago, and it seems to have gotten worse every year with yeah. more and more and more and more. And I don't know why. I, I can't figure out the positive of doing so. If you're in an official meeting, I, I don't know what that person would say for hey, why we should do this. I, I'm, I'm with you. I don't. I, I don't know. I, I don't know either. They've got to fix it. Um, they have to fix it. It's it's 
It's unwatchable. The coaches themselves, before you guys think, oh, you're just hating on Ole Miss, you hate on college. No, college coaches, plural, are using the exact same word. It's unwatchable. They watch it because they get paid millions to watch it, to break it down, to scout it, to analyze it. But they're they're more frustrated than the fans are. I mean, Blake Henson completely taken out of the game last night. Hadim C. taken out of the game last night. And Missouri had guys with four fouls. I mean, they've got uh, Reed Nico had had four fouls. Uh, Xavier Pinson had four fouls. Drew Smith had four fouls, including a couple of really questionable fouls that, quite frankly, cost Missouri a chance to come back and win that game on the road. It's, anyway, Brian Tyrese had a tremendous career at Ole Miss. He will be uh, he will be missed. I hope that Ole Miss people and I'm sure that they will, will remember him fondly when he's gone because he is a guy that got every drop out of the orange. Got better and better, improved. Yes. Played within multiple schemes. Plays with effort, plays with heart, cares, cares deeply, fearless, accountable, Saturday can obviously adjust this in a number of directions. Missouri has Alabama. Ole Miss is at Mississippi State. But the uh, the Rebels are currently in the 11th spot, so they would play Vanderbilt should the SEC tournament start today in a uh, 11-14 game to get into the, uh, the next round. Yeah, Ole Miss has to have help. They would play the 6 if they won, I think. Yeah, Ole Miss would play the 12-13 the game. Is that what you just said? No, almost play 11-14, but if they won, they would play the six. Oh. No, Vanderbilt, I'm sorry, Missouri has the tiebreaker over Ole Miss right now. Is that oh, right? Oh, I, on, the, on ESPN, Ole Miss is listed ahead of Missouri. That's no. all I'm going I on. I think the way it works, since Ole Miss and Missouri split the season series, they go to how they did against the SEC starting opposition starting at the, at the one. Missouri has a win over Auburn. Okay. Gotcha. Good enough. I could be wrong, but yeah. I think I'm right. It's the difference in playing Vanderbilt or Georgia and playing the five or the six on day two. Yes. That is what it's doing. As of this moment, it's my understanding, Ole Miss would be the, quote, home team against Georgia in the 12-13 game, and if they won, they would play the – They would play Mississippi State or South Carolina if it ended today. Okay. State and South Carolina are tied for the fifth spot at 10-7 and seven in the league. Gotcha. If Ole Miss beats Mississippi State on Saturday and Missouri loses to – uh, Alabama, Ole Miss would get the uh, 11. Because Ole Miss can't win a tiebreaker against Arkansas? No, Arkansas, okay. by beating LSU just, yesterday, Arkansas is playing on Thursday. Okay, gotcha. Alabama now for sure playing on Thursday because Ole Miss won. Yeah. Arkansas because Missouri has, could have called Alabama, I think. Yeah. Had Arkansas done some other stuff too, whatever. Even but. if Arkansas goes and loses at A&M, they have seven SEC wins. And they have the tiebreak over Ole Miss by virtue of winning. Sure. Sounds good. Ole Miss will definitely play on Wednesday. You think you think they have a shot Saturday, though? Oh, I think they have a real shot. A real shot. It's a favorable matchup. They're playing pretty well right now. Um, State just lost an absolute crushing game. We'll be tight as a drum. Yeah. Go in and play loose. Got nothing to lose. Hell, there's a chance you could win and still not move up if Missouri beats Alabama, which they probably will. 
That's in Como. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, just go play. It's the one night. I mean, you tell Blake Henson, take your crazy shots. They might fall. If you get beat, you get beat. I mean, there's nothing to lose. Zero. Nothing. State's got everything to lose. A little bit of a weird night, literally a weird week in the SEC this week. Uh, Florida does uh, win. They beat Georgia 68-54 in Athens last night, now 11-6 and in the SEC. They're going to go to the tournament. Yeah. Arkansas 99, LSU 90 last night in Fayetteville. Arkansas had a 20-something point lead at one point. They In the first half, I think Arkansas scored 55 points. They, they outscored them by 21 in, in the first half. Yeah, they were, they were absolutely – it was your typical senior night. They were unconscious out of the gate. Just make – they could have kicked it in blindfolded. Then the uh, the shocker of the night, and I mean Buzz Williams, good grief, what he's done with this group. Even though this is really the only signature win per se of the ones they have uh, they have won seventy eight seventy five a and m at Auburn last night. Yeah, a uh, and m now fifteen and fourteen nine and eight in the SEC. Auburn eleven and six twenty four and six. It's two things. One, Buzz is tremendous as a coach. Always has been. Has a shelf life wherever he goes, but 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 is very very good. And two, the shine is coming off of Auburn quickly. All that good fortune, it always evens out, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm I'm I know I know I'm being repetitive here. I don't know any SEC team that I'm buying stock into in the tournament. No. They're all so weird. I just can't even like if, if you go, hey, you have to guarantee an SEC team is making the sweet sixteen. I don't know. The only one you could sure. go with is you could go with Kentucky because they do have just going to out athlete the crap. Well, they out have of good you. guard play. Yeah, and 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 Richards is a is a presence in the post, and they, Sestina can can make some buckets here and there. I mean, they're, they're fine. I mean, the people that say Kentucky's bad, they're not bad. They're just not Kentucky. Fine. I don't think Auburn can make the Sweet Sixteen. I don't think LSU can make the Sweet Sixteen. Florida, because of the way they play, if they get the right draw, could maybe make the Sweet 16. Because Blackshear can take over a game in the post. If you play a team that's not particularly talented in the post, you could you can do some – after that, I'm not sure anybody else makes it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Mississippi State's this enigmatic team because Reggie Perry for 10 to 12 minutes a night will look like the best player in the SEC. And for the other 30 minutes a night, he looks like he hates where he is and he hates his teammates and he hates his coaching staff and his body language gets pouty and he thinks he looks like a guy that says I am about to go be a late lottery pick and I'm going to go get my money. <clears throat> we'll see Saturday what time what's what's that start time? 5:30. 5:30 on Saturday. Yeah. Okay. Going to uh, tell you real quick about Special Orthopedic Group. If you're injured but not sure where to go, no matter where you are, Special Orthopedic has you covered with three convenient locations in Tupelo, Oxford, and New Albany. No referral is needed to schedule an appointment. And with one of SOG's fellowship training, subspecialized surgeons in any one of the three locations, with 24-hour scheduling, SOG makes it easy to accommodate you. Call 767-4200. Request an appointment on their website at www.sogms.com. Special Orthopedic Group. 
Choose a specialist. Choose SOG. Also, for a little bit of an Ask an Ortho segment, it is baseball season for youth. We're going to talk to Dr. Reeves more for a second about Tommy John and about ways to care for your uh, your baseball player from a pitching standpoint, what to do, what not to do as that time gets here. So we're going to do that now. Go to uh, Dr. Moore and talk a little bit about uh, pitching, baseball, and Tommy John. If you're in our live stream, just hold on one second. Since it's baseball season, we're going to kick off our Ask an Ortho segment with Special Orthopedic Group. We're going to talk Tommy John. Dr. Moore, kind enough to join us. Appreciate you giving us a little time this week. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Chase. Absolutely. Let's uh, let's talk Tommy John. So, really, you know, we talk about it. I, I'm, I'm dealing with it constantly covering an SEC baseball program. I had it myself in high school, and I'm probably one of those people that did a lot of wrong things as a youth, a lot of uh, a lot of things that you are not about to recommend or have not been recommended for a long time that people break. I, I, I guess, why do you think it's gotten into the, the conscience and such a thing for people below elite levels, high schoolers, even, even youth people as they, uh, as they progress and try to pick up baseball yeah so you know there's been a uh you know with the all these kind of youth baseball leagues that are out there these days and all the travel ball teams in the summer there's uh really been more access to more baseball at all times of the year and so you know what's going on in in youth and high school baseball there's over a 300% increase from the early 2000s until now of the number of UCL injuries and UCL surgeries that have been done over that time period. And there have been lots of studies that have been done in terms of, you know, why is this happening? Why are we seeing this, especially in the kind of the 15 to 19-year-old range? Uh, overuse which, you know, in, in nowadays with the year-round baseball is, you know, playing year-round baseball is, is a risk factor for having shoulder and elbow injuries and throwing athletes, especially in, in the kids and adolescents. Um, you know, is, is it too much, too fast, too soon in folks with immature bones, with insufficient rest and poor training or poor mechanics? And so, um, you know, I say that with a, with a caveat. And the caveat, you know, we re- typically recommend, and if you listen to the, the big baseball guys like Jimmy Andrews and Dr. Ella Trash out in L.A. who takes care of the Dodgers and Dr. Ahmad who takes care of the Yankees in New York, you know, they all preach uh, year-round baseball is, is okay, but you got to have enough rest in between the seasons. And what we typically recommend is, is about three months or so, three to four months of rest du- during a year in terms of being off and throwing. It look like would be after your spring season doing four to six weeks of rest before you pick up a baseball and start throwing for summer ball and then going into fall season probably four to six weeks of rest before fall baseball gets cranked up and then the same thing between fall and, and getting cranked up back in the spring and that gives the tendons and the bones and the ligaments time to adjust and time to calm down and see some rest from the repetitive stress and overuse that you get from repetitive throwing at all times of the year. What do you suggest for different ages and as far as in season, as far as pitch counts, what to throw, that kind of thing? Yeah, so you know, in terms of what to throw, you know, kind of the old adage is 
we, you know, we typically don't recommend throwing curveballs until you're old enough to shave, which is typically around 13 <laughs> or 14 years old for, for most men. Um, and then in terms of in-season, uh, you know, arm maintenance, you know, really stretching the arm out before you throw is really important because what happens in these, in these throwers is they get tight and their shoulder gets tight. And so there's, it's really important to make sure that they're adequately stretched um, with various uh, stretches that typically your athletic trainer or or a therapist can show you how to do, or if you come in, you know, we can show you how to do them as well. Um, but that's really important in terms of arm, arm care and throwing mechanics um, so that you can have the proper throwing mechanics so that you can prevent injuries. Um, and then obviously proper throwing mechanics to make sure that you're, you're not leading with your arm, you're not throwing with a fatigued shoulder, which thus makes you lead with your elbow, which then predisposes you to various other shoulder and elbow injuries. Are there any kind of yeah? Is there any kind of protocol as far as you know when you're nine, ten, eleven, twelve? Hey, try not to put this much strain on your arm from from pitch count standpoints. Yeah, so from a from a pitch count standpoint, there's a really good resource and, and website called uh, Pitch Smart uh, USA. Um, and it's, uh, it's associated with Major League Baseball. They teamed up with Major League Baseball and, and USA Baseball. And if you go to their website, they actually have some pitching guidelines. And it'll break it down by at what age the, the pitches that he should throw in a daily uh, uh, setting. Um, and then how many days of rest they should have uh, based on their age and how many pitches they threw for that day. Um, now, that's a little bit different than some leagues um, like USSA, which is the uh, organization that most of the youth leagues around this area are a part of in terms of you know, what their limitations and guidelines on, are, are on in terms of pitch counts. So most leagues, you know, Babe Ruth, the double ABCs, the County Max, and all that, go by number of pitches that the pitcher has thrown. Um, USSA actually goes by number of innings pitched. So you can technically throw 50 pitches in an inning and still be okay to continue pitching that same day and that same game, for that matter, uh, depending on the age. Um, so there's a distinction in terms of, you know, is it as part of the guideline or is it number of innings pitched? Because if it's number of innings pitched, you could throw, you know, 100 pitches in an inning which is way over the limit for, for even 17 to 18-year-olds on a daily pitch count uh, limit and still be able to pitch. So there's, there's something that you, you need to be aware of that when you're you know, playing for these travel ball teams and knowing what the guidelines are and the recommendations are in terms of, of pitch counts and pitch limits. Obviously, any kind of pain means stop, but what are a couple of the warning signs if, you, if you've got a youth that's pitching or even a high school player or whatever and you're noticing some type of discomfort that could be an early sign that something you know, a little more major could be wrong? So most, most folks will have, especially the young, the young throwers, will have kind of a, a key moment where they, they felt a fastball go and they felt a pop when they, when they let go of the ball. Um, and they'll localize their pain to the inside part of their elbow, and they'll notice that their velocity has dropped, their accuracy has dropped, that they're, they're throwing the ball kind of all over the place. And so, you know, having, that, having that, that initial injury phase where they felt a pop and they started losing velocity, or kind of the, those are kind of the, the stereotypical 
hallmark signs that the, you've got an injury that probably needs to be evaluated. Other ones are, you know, they just kind of haven't felt right uh, over the course of, you know, several months, even a year, um, and that they just kept on throwing, kept on throwing, and then finally they just kind of had enough, and they're still not able to be uh, accurate with their pitches. Their velocity is de- decreasing. Um, so most of the time, especially in young players, you'll, you'll have a, a player that says he felt a pop. Or in, in other cases, they just have some kind of general discomfort on the inside part of the elbow. They also have some numbness and tingling in their ring finger and their small finger, um, which typically accompanies uh, a Tommy John injury just because the, the nerve, the funny bone nerve that's right there by the ligament, sometimes gets irritated. That's also a sign that something may be going on from, from an elbow standpoint. I know there's been some new developments as far as how to actually repair the, the UCL and to, 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 to repair the injury. It was taken out of my wrist. I know they use cadavers there for a little bit. What's what's sort of the, the cutting-edge thing now, or what's what's somewhat new in, in Tommy John recovery? Yeah, so, you know, the gold standard in, in is a Tommy John ligament reconstruction in which you take the you take the palmaris longus graft, which is in your wrist, or a hamstring graft uh, out of the out of the leg um, to make the new Tommy John ligament, and that's still the standard, the gold standard. And that's been done for thirty plus years and has good results. You know, ninety or so plus return to play at the same level or higher uh, within twelve to eighteen months. And that was first done, uh, but after Frank Job in Los Angeles back in the nineteen seventies on on Tommy John himself, right? And that's why it's called the Tommy John ligament. Um, but uh, but there have been some newer techniques that have been developed over the last uh, five to seven years um, that are kind of piggybacking on some older techniques. But these newer techniques that one that we uh, that I helped uh, Dr. Dugas in in Birmingham, Alabama, at Andrews um, was a part of uh, when I trained under him. We started doing these ligament pairs. Uh, these UCL ligament repairs with uh, with a heavy suture augmentation, and what that allows you to do is is allows that ligament to have some uh, have a backstop to to stretching and and shear forces that can get you back to throwing at six months in competitive competition as opposed to twelve to eighteen months. And there's been there's been some studies that now they're about five years out looking at comparing the UCL reconstruction, which is, like I said, still the gold standard, to this newer technique, the UCL repair with the suture augmentation that showed just a similar return to play with about 92% return to play at the same level of higher in these athletes. At, uh, however, they're getting them back to competition level at around six months or so instead of the 12 to 18-month mark. Kind of the last thing, is, is there any sort of thing as far as the patients that would recommend one of those versus the other, and there's just something you look for to decide which one's best, or is it pretty universal throughout throughout every every candidate? Yeah, so it's, uh, it's very patient-dependent. And so the patients that have good tissue quality uh, that you can look at on the MRI scan um, that look like they have a healthy-looking ligament, um, the patients that have partial thickness tears – that are not amenable to conservative treatments such as rest or possibly uh, PRP injections um, are also candidates. And then the other candidates are where they just kind of pop the ligament right off the bone and you can reattach it. Um, those are the kind of the three main uh, three main patients that are, that are good UCL repair candidates. The ones that have had the partial thickness tears, 
and the ones that have had the end of bold tears that, that we call uh, that have failed non-operative treatment with rest and possibly a PRP injection. Those are likely the ones that would do best with the repair. The, the guys that have chronic have attritional tears, that the tissue quality looks fairly poor on MRI scan, um, and that have like ossicles or bone formation with open ligament or big osteophytes where the ligament attaches, that you actually have to take that osteophyte or that bone spur out when you're doing the ligament repair, it doesn't really leave you with enough tissue to do a repair. So that you would have to do a standard Tommy John reconstruction. Um, so there's, there is a difference in terms of who is a candidate for repair versus reconstruction. And most of the ones we see are the partial thickness tears or the endovulsions. So most people actually are candidates for the repair, but there are certainly some scenarios that uh, the reconstruction certainly would be would be the best option as opposed to the some of the newer techniques. Great information. I uh, I appreciate it. And let's uh, let's talk again soon. Thanks. Appreciate you. Podcast also brought to you by Grenada Nissan. If you're in the market for a Nissan vehicle, Grenada Nissan's the place to go. They've got a complete selection of new and previously owned Nissan vehicles. Great lease deals as well. It's GrenadaNissanUSA.com. Brought to you by John Edwards of Regency Travel Incorporated in Memphis. Whatever trip you're thinking of, uh, Florida, uh, the Caribbean, Ireland, whatever, Napa, whatever the case may be, get in touch with John. He's part of Virtuoso. It's a worldwide network of travel partners that allows John to supply his clients with added values, unique benefits, simply not available to other travelers. 901-494-3387 or send him an email, jedwards at regencytravel.net. First-time clients can save $50 off their first booked trip just by telling John you heard about Regency Travel on the podcast. I put up a mailbag on yesterday. It's brought to you by the Weston Jackson, which is home to Soul Spa, also home to Estelle Wine Bar and Bistro. If you're doing business in Jackson, you owe it to yourself to make the Weston Jackson your headquarters. It's a Marriott property in downtown Jackson, and if you're just looking for a place to get away for a weekend, uh, be a great place to make uh, your home base as well. Everything you could want, Pelotons at the gym, the whole deal there at the Weston Jackson in downtown Jackson. We put up a uh, Mind on My Money podcast uh, yesterday afternoon. It is brought to you by Pinnacle Trust. Pinnacle Trust based in Madison, Mississippi. They've got clients in more than 20 states, advisors in multiple states as well. Uh, they provide detailed, specialized investment management, financial planning, retirement planning for individuals and businesses, and much more. At Pinnacle Trust, investing is treated like a commodity. Decisions are made using objective information and research, not emotions. So regardless of your level of wealth, Pinnacle Trust will sit down with you, listen to your goals, study your expenses, and put forth a comprehensive, detailed financial and retirement plan built just for you. It's pintrust.com, P-I-N-N trust.com. Mention you heard about Pinnacle Trust on the podcast you'll get 10% off your first year's fee. And we're brought to you by Nest and Wild. Sleep better with a Nest and Wild mattress. Nest and Wild is a Mississippi-based mattress company making a high-quality mattress delivered right to your door. They make buying a new mattress easy. Every Nest and Wild mattress is one foot thick, gives you comfort and support that will last. A lot of the online brands sell an 8-inch or a 10-inch mattress, but not Nest and Wild from the uh, King California King to the twin size. Every Nest and Wild mattress is one foot thick, 100% American made. Pricing is fantastic, and we're going to make it even better with the podcast discount. It's a no-risk decision. 
Nest and Wild believes in their product so much that they are offering a 99-night trial on every mattress. Try it out. Sleep on it for 99 nights, and if you don't like it, return it. Nestandwild.com. Use the promo code REBEL20 at uh, checkout. Get 20% off your purchase, and it's going to arrive at your door in three to five days. Podcast is brought to you by Tyson Drugs and G&M Pharmacy. You know, G&M is right there on South Lamar and Oxford. Tyson Drugs on the square in Holly Springs. 662-236-2222 is the phone number. Still can time time to get that flu shot. Zero dollar copay on most insurance plans. Don't have to wait in line or anything. Get you out as quickly and painlessly as possible. They also deliver locally in the Oxford area. So give them a call. 662-236-2222. ESPN with a pretty... Um, Big story on about how uh, St. Louis actually buying into the uh, the Battle Hawks with the XFL from a football standpoint. Um, Tamu profiled a little bit in the in that today. So. Jordan might be playing his way into an opportunity in an NFL camp. Do a lot worse as a backup or third quarterback in an NFL team than Jordan Tamu. Smart guy, great guy. Has some talent. Athletic. Don't have to worry about it. Not going to interrupt your clubhouse. No. Locker room. You do okay there. Has upside. Oh, he he was better than he probably got credit for considering the team he was on overall and, frankly, Longo's system. Jordan Talmud would have been fine in any system. Dan Werner deserves a lot of credit there. Yeah. When I looked him. at him and said, we could play him. Yeah. And Jordan deserves a lot of credit because he came to a place where Shea Patterson was the established starter. Mm-hmm. Had other options. Could have gone to yeah. other schools. Yeah, could have gone to Minnesota. Yeah. They're pretty good at football. What is it? Uh, what's their new slogan? Oh, my God. Did you see that? Yeah. I can't even remember it. But it all, it's it's off growing, right? Yeah, it's 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 a lower coast, lowercase g. Because we're still going to row. We're still going to row, but we're going to grow as we row. Yeah, bamboo. And the other one is he's building a house, and this is the year they put the windows in because people are looking in now. I think he recycled all this from his previous position too. So it's, it's just. I wonder how many wristbands they wear. Twenty. You but you think they're a wristband school? Oh, there's you think no a, doubt. You think that's a wristband? Program? They've got wristbands just up to the elbow. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Grow. But with a lowercase g. Grow higher. Sorry, grow, grow higher. higher. Yeah, lowercase g, big R, big O, big W, lowercase higher. Grow higher. And also this is – but this is the year that they're putting windows in the house. Yeah, that is correct. Uh, yeah, we're talking bamboo, which I've used in the past. When you talk about bamboo, it takes three years to build underground before it actually shoots up to the top. So you're talking about year four. That's when you should see it shoot 90, 100 feet in the air. We have the ability to do whatever we want to be able to do, uh, whatever we're going to pay the price for. So we're talking about grow higher and using the bamboo tree, and you'll be able to see bamboo trees everywhere. So we're going to have like actual tangible bamboo around the Minnesota campus, the football program? Or is this figurative bamboo? It, w- it wouldn't grow in that climate, well, but would you it? could bring it in, though. But it wouldn't survive in you that climate. bamboo in a pot. Well, I get that, Chase, but it, it's <laughs> awfully cold, right? Bamboo doesn't survive in that, client, in that so climate. So you don't think you keep it alive, even? Well, I would have questions. I mean, I'm, I'm not a plant guy. So I mean, I, I guess you know. could put it inside a solarium or something and protect it. But Maybe we're building one of those. Yeah, it says, why the windows? Because now the frame works up, so we're installing these windows. And the wonderful thing about windows is you can look out and see whatever you want to see. 
You can notice the birds, the sun, the clouds, the sky. Mm. But you can see whatever you decide to see. However, different from last year, which when we didn't have any windows, we were just we were picked six in the west. That won't mm. happen this year. Mm-mm. So now we have windows that the outside world wants to peek in and see and study and know that we're, go- we're what we're doing inside the house. Well, he knows we know when the frame went up, you could still see in the house, right? Because you build the holes for the windows in the frame. So you still could see in the house, PJ. How would you install windows into a bamboo house in Minnesota? That just feels like... I don't think the house is bamboo. We're doing two different things here. Okay. We're building a house and we're doing bamboo. So the house isn't going to be built into the 90-foot bamboo because then the windows could be so high that no one could look in anyway. Yeah, I don't know. Unless they have a drone. Really good football coach. Awful with some of this stuff. (laughs) Good football coach. (laughs) Drive me insane, though. (laughs) I mean, I'm trying to like... (sighs) Can you imagine Nick Saban talking stuff like this? All right. All right. All right. We're going to build some bamboo. All right. That bamboo's got to grow. All right. All right. (laughs) I'm sorry. I can't help it. Losing my mind a little bit today. Tired? Um, I'm okay. I didn't sleep very well last night. Um, I uh, I've gotten where I don't sleep well hardly ever. Well, I'll be a Bourbon South out today, and I mean I'm I'm completely sober when I leave. But I'm telling you, I'm getting older, and if I have more than one drink, I can't sleep. I'm gonna go to sleep fine, and I'm gonna wake up, and I'm gonna kind of hot and restless, and I, I can't. So what sleep. do you do when you get up? What do you do in the middle of the night? No, no, I'll sit there and try and try and try and try. I, I I try to avoid grabbing my phone because I know the blue light's not good for my keep for for going back to sleep. Up. And I'll, Might as well go have a coffee. Uh, I'll use some meditation apps. Not not ashamed of them. Use no, those. of course not. Try to try to try to put me back out. Um, yeah. I've got a couple that I like. I'll try stuff, but I'm. I'm sleeping okay, other than the, the alcohol. That's why, I really, frankly, I don't drink much at all. Um, more than more than one drink, any more than one drink, and I I'm, can't sleep. It's weird, but it's it's true. I wake up at about three thirty every morning, and it just it's it's a it's a coin toss whether I'm back to sleep or I'm up. Three thirty. Three thirty, almost like clockwork. Are you dead by like four p.m.? Um, I'm, I've got where I'm having to throw the coffee in middle of the afternoon and then I kind of get, I get a second wind. I'm all good. I just, it just, I wake up and I start thinking. Yeah. We've had a uh, reading from the stream. We've had a couple bourbon sales the last few weeks, been on a weekly schedule this week. I uh, took an idea from Marv Merchant on the message board where we had a, uh, a budget every day of the week and how we would purchase the, uh, the bottles for doing that. It was $20 on Monday, 40 on Tuesday, 75 on Wednesday, 100 on Thursday, and 200 on Friday. Oh. And how you would uh, you would go through that. We had a little round table for uh, for that with everybody having their uh, their choices and their decisions when they when they came in. So we did that and then we tried three or four bottles. What was the what were the first two? I'm curious. Uh, on the 20 year Not to spoil it, but I'm Yeah, just... no, you're fine. Uh, on the 20, I found where you could get uh, old granddad 100 bottled in bond for 19.99. Okay. Um, some people just said Evan Williams black label. Um, yeah. Even if nothing else, you get your bourbon that you could put some that mixed with cocktails. Sure. Um, had had one buddy when I was asking him yesterday for some ideas that said I didn't think about this outside the box. Just buy a pint of Makers. Buy a pint for your oh. first day. Get you through the day one, and you move on from uh, from there. But yeah, I mean that's a it's a tough category. You can find really good stuff twenty five to forty, but that's so under twenty. What did, what did you pick there? 
uh, for forty, it went with McKenna ten. Yeah. Um, you can because we kind of said, okay, look, it's got to be the MSRP. It's hard to find. That's the thing. It's got to be MSRP. But let's act like it, you can find it on the shelf. Let's not play the game of well, I can't get that, so that's not that's not applicable. Um, some people just said four rows of single barrel, you know, stuff that we, yeah, we, sure. we typically talk about. So yeah, that was that's a that's a no risk purchase. Mm-hmm. You know what you're getting. Yeah. So we did that. Our uh, our bourbons we just tried last night. We had a um, we had a four roses barrel proof um, barrel strength last night. How was it? Really good, yeah. It was good. We had a uh, we had a rhetoric twenty four last night. Um, that was one of our uh, one of our roundtable members uh, two hundred dollar bourbon. So they actually brought a bottle bottle for uh, for us to try. The bottle we got from High Cotton yesterday was um, Old Granddad one fourteen, which is found yeah. at twenty five thirty bucks. Very very gettable. And listen to the show if you're interested in this and all, because I've never had a bourbon change profiles more neat to putting a cube in it trying it one v one last night the most difference i've ever had really in one going from one to the one in what way yeah, listen to the show okay. and i'll tell you in a minute but yeah um so that's uh that's on this week's bourbon south that's what we uh we talked about <clears throat> and uh we'll probably do a fireway friday tomorrow i assume i'll miss some princeton start at 6 30 tomorrow night for uh for baseball 6 30 noon are the times this weekend for uh for that and we'll uh, have more coverage at rebelgrove.com. Almost done with my baseball mailbag. It'll go up here in a little bit today as well. Some pretty, a lot of questions and good questions in that this week. So uh, you guys take care, and we'll be back tomorrow.